Frequency, frequency, frequency matters. Welcome to the Frequency Matters Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Frequency Matters Podcast, episode number seven, and I'm delighted to have you two today. Um, I personally, in, in my very first tuning fork education class, one of the very first things I learned was the frequency plus intention equals healing formula, and that has been the foundation of all of my work in sound healing for the past decade and probably and a half. Wow. So it is so exciting to have you. If you would like to just go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background of how you got to where you are today. Let's I'm going to introduce you. Andy and she'll introduce me. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, I love that. But before we do that, Kim, just want to say we are delighted to be here and looking really forward to sharing with you and our audience all about sound. So Jonathan, you can introduce me, then I'll introduce you. <laughs> I love it. Hi, I'm Jonathan Goldman and the being to my right <laughs> is my beloved extraordinary wife andy goldman who is a holistic psychotherapist and as well she's my wife partner friend and we've been working together in the field of sound healing since we've been together 25 years uh, she's the co-author of two award-winning books that with me uh chakra frequencies and the humming effect um she plays the harp. She and I uh, traverse the fields of sound, uh, healing together, and it's just a blessing to be in partnership with someone else. Oh, well, Jonathan, thank you for that introduction. And Kim, I will now introduce Jonathan, who is my beloved partner. And we have been working together both uh, in our daily lives, our business lives, for actually almost 30 years now. It's been like 29. I know. It's just amazing. And Jonathan is, I like to say that he is a founding pioneer in the field, the modern day field of sound healing. And I, Jonathan's information, his music, his love of sound has really brought the healing sound field up to where it is today because he has been doing this work for 40 years. He has a master's degree uh, in uh, utilizing sound for healing. He has been uh, traveling this sound current in a very deep way for so long, he has written, gosh, four or five books, and I've been delighted to have co-authored two of them. Uh, he has brought down many different frequencies with tuning forks, and as we were talking before the program started, his, indeed, his uh, formula, frequency plus intent equals healing, I think is just a basic formula for sound healing. Mm -hmm. So he's a, he's a, 
he's a heavyweight guy here in this field of sound. So Kim, thank you again for having us on. And, and we're just happy to meet you and to be here. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Andy <laughs> and Kim. Now to answer some questions. And um, by gosh and by golly, what a blessing it is to be uh, sharing with you and being able to talk. And I mean, you sort of nailed it in terms of the uh, formula frequency plus intent equals healing. Because I came up with that in the 1980s. Wow. And uh, <laughs> it came up as a result of my master's degree program at Lesley University. Where I had your master's in, I apologize for interrupting. It was independent study researching okay. the uses of sound and music for healing. Fascinating. And that then evolved ultimately to my uh, first book, he Healing Sounds, which just recently got uh, re-released and um, 30th anniversary edition. Uh, but that forming the first came, I was, uh, okay, we'll step in the Wayback Machine and there it is. 1980s, I am in front of uh, a computer that uses a DOS operating system. So it's a dark screen with amber letters, mm -hmm. it's kind of setting the field. Okay. And uh, I have a pile of papers about Yohai, which are all sorts of different systems that people have utilized to resonate the chakras, to resonate the organs, all sorts, the, the etheric field, you name it, I had it. I've been collecting it for years and now I was putting it together for my master's dissertation. And I come from a family of doctors, brother, grandfather, father, all medical doctors. Pretty good developed uh, left brain at that time. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna be the first person who's really gonna coalesce and put all this information together and have a one-to-one -one correlation between an organ and a sound or a chakra and a sound. And I began to put it all together and nothing fit, nothing worked, nothing was in agreement. You'd have spiritual master A using a particular set of mantras for a chakra and spiritual master B using a completely different set of uh, mantras for the, for the same chakra or vice versa you'd have uh dr x using a particular tone or frequency for an organ dr y using a completely different set of frequencies or tone for the same organ or for different organs and um this was mind you a while ago so this has been private if you like correspondence often that i find with these people and they were simply so blessed to be Talking. Hold on for a moment. We just uh, lost our uh, Skype. Just jumped up in front of me. Let's see. Stop <laughs> it. Skype. It. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you're still on my end. Okay, we've got a blank screen in front oh, of us. Oh, this is this is nasty. Oh dear. Oh my goodness gracious. I hope you can cut this out of the thing because this <laughs> is no problem. Yeah, there goes Mercury oh, retrograde go. again, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, that was why I just, just a just, white screen just. <laughs> Anyway, continue, bad, honey. Bad <laughs> Skype. Okay. So there I was sitting in front of uh, this screen with this pile of papers trying to correlate, and it didn't make sense. And literally, I put my head in my hands, and I remember rocking back and forth, thinking, oh, gosh, this just doesn't uh, correlate because 
here we have all these different systems that people are using, and they're not the same. How can this be? How can this be? I was in a state of intellectual angst, if you like. And I hear this inner voice say, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates its effect. It is also the intention of the person making and receiving that sound. And it was like this light bulb went off over my head. Wow. And I wrote down on the amber uh, <laughs> letters, which kind of looked gold on this dark screens. So it was almost like gold letters on uh, a dark screen. Frequency plus intent equals healing. And I have to say that that formula is more valid now than it was back then. And I'll continue just for a moment because when I first came up with this, early to mid 1980s, um, I would be talking to these different scientists and doctors at these conferences and conventions about this, have you ever thought of the uh, power of intention to influence and affect the, if you like, effect of sound or whatever you like, because I think it applies to everything. And they'd look at me like I was just from another planet, <laughs> which might be true, but <laughs> nevertheless, you know, I knew that this wasn't. And then blessed be, we had people like Wayne Dyer mm -hmm. first writing a book on the power of intent. Then people like Masuro Emoto doing his water crystal uh, photographs showing the power of intent. Mm -hmm. Then people like Dr. Bruce Lipton writing the biology of belief and Joe Dispenza working with the placebo effect and all these people really talking about how our consciousness interfaces with reality and helps create the outcome. So I also have some sub corollaries. One is vocalization, making the sound, plus visualization, visualizing it equals manifestation. And even sound plus belief equals outcome. And that is just so very, very important because these days, People have become, I am not incidentally a frequencyist, meaning that because of this, I don't believe that there's just one frequency that works. And as we'll talk about in a minute, we are also huge believers in the fact that we are all unique vibratory beings. But regardless. I was just going to say, and that brings me into the four pillars. Right. Yeah, but let, let, me just, let me just conclude this yeah. one for half a second, because it's so important. A lot of people are into specific frequencies having specific healing effects. We can talk more about that later. And it. we think that it's great if people have this belief because it's great, then they are encoded into it and they'll be getting effects. We just don't want to limit people mm -hmm. in terms of their understanding about the power of sound because different things work for different people. Andy was talking about the four pillars of sound healing, which is based upon the Seven Secrets of Sound Healing, which is one of my books. Andy, take it away. <laughs> so, Kim, that when Jonathan was just mentioning these aspects, uh, gosh, I, I don't know, it was a couple years ago, and we thought, you know, let's just come up with four, with the foundational yeah. pillars of sound, because he had written a book, The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing, which really uh, is a great book for people who are 
opening up to sound, want to learn about it. And we thought, let's sort of condense that and let's come up with four pillars. And so basically those four pillars are, the first one is everything is in a state of vibration. The second one is what we've just been talking about, and that is intention is powerful. The third one is we are all unique vibratory beings. Therefore, you know, one particular frequency may affect you, Kim, in a certain way and may affect me in a completely different way. And and, and so really the fact that we're all unique vibratory beings, you know, it's really important, we think, you know, to hold that as, you know, one of the foundations of working with sound. And of course, the last, the fourth one is, and this is actually my favorite one, I love it, and it is silence is golden. And so many people sort of forget about the value and the importance of being in silence. You know, after we have made sound, after we have toned or hummed or, you know, recited mantras, we then go into silence. Mm -hmm. And that silence is where the shifts and the changes actually begin to really occur and it helps us to tune in to our own inner wisdom so um i like to say that silence is the yin to the yang of sound okay and um andy taught me something wonderful which is the word silent and the word listen are anagrams that's so fascinating I never put that together. How cool. Yes. So uh, we have that. And it really is. It took me, actually, that was one of the great hidden secrets of uh, sound healing, because I probably had been in the field for 25 years myself before I discovered that. Because you get so enamored with how good it is to make sound and listen that you don't realize that if that period of silence is really... It's like the peak moment when the true shift and change occurs. Yes, that's one of the few things in my, and I, I, I work with crystal singing bowls as one of my tools and instruments. And one of my favorite things to teach when I, the, from the very moment that I start playing is to just listen to when you can almost no longer hear it. So you get that, like that. I, I imagine that the sound is infinite in nature, but there's a point where we just can't hear anymore. And so when we keep listening for that moment, and I feel that's probably different for everybody. And as we attune our ears greater and greater, we can hear it just a little bit longer. That's such a magical moment. Well, it's interesting too, because the the aspect of listening, particularly listening to silence, I don't even know if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. And in really pretty high level, shabd yoga, meditation, uh, experiences of inner listening that you go to higher planes of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, you just really listen within. And I almost defy anyone not to be able yeah. to be, then become aware, mm-hmm. whether first it's the sound of your breathing, 
or your nervous system. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like when you reach that point that you were just talking about, Kim, where you literally, you know, that sound just, you know, dissipates and goes and dissipates. And then it's like when you really cannot hear it, you know, with your ears, that's the point where, you know, you really just totally go within and that is, I always feel like that inner wisdom that we all have really comes through in that moment, those yeah. moments of silence. And so we're actually very big proponents of, yes, indeed, working with sound, of course, but remembering the silence yeah. that goes with that. So, do you, when you do your crystal bowls, do you uh, let them? The recipients sit in silence for a while? Um, that's a great question. I, I, I tend to play them like kind of in um, phases. So, and it always always different, but I love that question and a beautiful reminder that how important that is. At the end, I feel like that's such a sacred moment at the end of receiving all these vibrations just to integrate in silence and i think I'll, i personally and i know many others have a, almost a fear of that silence yes Kim, <laughs> you, that is absolutely right it's like oh my gosh we we know people who do have that fear and we've worked with them and really helped them to realize that of course there is nothing to fear that you're just going to be able to you know become more familiar with your your consciousness your psyche but that's interesting because people are they they feel that if they go into that silence that there's something it's very scary for them wrong that it is it's scary and silence is sacred listen i just want to so we do something called the uh, sound satsang we've been doing this now for about a year and um the subject this month is mantras and i'm in i basically remembered just as we were talking about we would do for 21 years a healing sounds intensive, which was wonderful. Had about 100 people there because we would do it in a circle. So that's as many as we allowed. For 10 days. For 10 days. It was quite powerful. And it went for about 12 hours a day with wow. you know, time to assimilate. Very, very cool. And uh, we would do chanting at night, chanting of a mantra. And uh, we would do different mantras from different traditions. And uh, we would start beginning by first teaching the pronunciation of the mantra, then teaching the meaning of the mantra. We'd have people meditate on what it means. Then they would chant the mantra for about a half hour. It was way cool. And then we'd stop and we'd be in silence for perhaps 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't ring bells and say, now it's time to come back, they'd still be there now. Because <laughs> that was the point. Once they stopped chanting, if you like, and because the chant or the sound angered them into the planet. And if they then closed their eyes, lay back, they'd shoot, shoot off. So another thing to think about is the fact that the sound is actually anchoring you. And once it stops and you're in silence, you can really 
release and travel to higher realms of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's and people would have massive experiences, psychotropic experiences. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, have you experienced that with anything other than chanting other sounds and vibrations? Totally, totally. Yeah. And okay. Including listening to recordings any, and whatnot. Yeah, um, really, any time. Bowls, that, bells, whatever. Uh, yeah, any time that we are in an energy field where sound is predominant, and then we you know, that, I mean, physical sound that we can actually hear that, you know, travels, you know, in through our auditory pathways up into our brain. And then we go into silence, no matter what the sound is, it, you know, and even if you're, this just occurred to me, even if there's an unpleasant sound happening that you happen to, you know, you know, the buzzing of something in your house or, you know, lawnmowers out in the yard, and all of a sudden it stops and you go, oh, wow. I didn't realize how intense that was. So, I mean, any sound at all can actually oh, yeah. do that for sure. Oh, yeah, we have, uh, my, my husband and I have two kids and when they have friends over and they're getting loud and crazy. And then we like send them outside of the basement. It's just like that moment <laughs> is so sacred. <laughs> like, do you hear that? Like, no nothing you're nothing and it's glorious exactly you that's a that's a great analogy yeah. <laughs> yes i would uh, if you like like to expand a little bit on what andy was saying before and let ask you uh how we can best facilitate your quest for knowledge techniques and all that is uh we talked about the four pillars the first one being that everything is in vibration does that need further clarification or have you talked with people? Do they understand it? And I don't think it's really been a topic of conversation on this show yet. I deeply understand it and resonate with it, but I do think it is worth going into some detail. If you, if you have a couple minutes to talk about that. Sure. Okay. May yes, I? please. Yeah. Okay. If you examine the sacred tenets, the digital spiritual traditions on the planet, you find that they believe that, like the universe and everything was created solely through the power of sound. In the beginning was the word, and the Lord said, let there be light, sound preceding light. And we find now that our ancient mystics and our <laughs> quantum uh, magicians are in, uh, if you like, resonance where they believe that everything is sound, everything is vibration. In fact, the latest uh, quantum theory is the whole concept of string theory, that there are multitudinous vibrating uh, universes so everything is in a state of vibration from the electrons moving around the nucleus of an atom to planets and distant galaxies moving around their sun and just because something is in or out of our audible range doesn't mean that the sound isn't being created for example our friends in the ocean the dolphins can hear upwards of 180,000 cycles a second. We only hear upwards. Our hearing range is around 16 cycles to around 16,000. They hear over 10 times our level of hearing. So to us, mm -hmm. there's nothing going on. But to dolphins, they can be exchanging recipes for tuna noodle <laughs> casserole, perhaps, or you know, best ways to get through the bearing as straight. So there is sound. So just the same way. 
the concept, if you like, healing with sound is simply this. Every part of our body is in a state of resonance, state of vibration. We are like this overall symphony of the self. Every organ, every bone, every tissue, every part of the body is in vibration and it's playing together. And when we're well, we say we're in sound health. The concept of, if you like, imbalance of uh, an organ or whatnot is the fact that the organ or bone is vibrating out of its correct resonant frequency. It's a little bit like with this orchestra that we have. It's the orchestra is playing. A second violin player loses their sheet music. They play out of tune, out of harmony. Out of ease, pretty soon the entire string section is off. Pretty soon the entire orchestra is off. And this is, if you like, akin to a part of our body losing its natural, healthy, harmonic resonance. Mm -hmm. And we say it's vibrating out of ease, out of harmony. We say it is diseased. Mm -hmm. So the very simple practice of using sound for healing is to try to put this part of the body or energetic field back into harmony and balance right <clears throat> and there are <clears throat> there are many ways that we can actually do this and i think that that brings me to the two different ways that sound actually affects us and kim we actually are affected in two different ways with sound mm -hmm. the first way is called psychoacoustics and this is when we're actually listening and the sound goes into our ears it travels into our auditory pathways up into our brain and actually affects our nervous system and our respiration and our brain waves yeah, and so if we're listening uh, to healing music, that would actually be a psychoacoustic effect. Okay. And also our voice as we're listening. Yeah, well, and and the other way we hear is through vibroacoustics, and that is where the sound goes directly into the physical body. And so there are, you know, when we're using two, tuning forks. I know we mentioned that earlier, mm -hmm. but when we put them right on the body, oh, here's a great tuning fork. Boom. And that would be a vibroacoustic effect. Okay. And um, uh, let me take over the for voice. a second. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, but the first thing is that uh, when we are working with psychoacoustics and the voice and we hear or an instrument it's really important just one thing we want to share is that um we can do healing simply through the conversational voice simply through projecting kindness and love or what positive things mm -hmm. through the voice it's very important that people begin to understand the power of frequency plus intent mm. of, the, of the sound, the vocalization plus visualization. Because just as we can encode positive energy, love, harmony, compassion, mm -hmm. or voice, we can do the opposite. And a lot of times yeah. people do that. And we just caution it. We have enough 
fear and imbalance on our planet uh -huh. and we need Definitely, to really yeah. project kindness <clears throat> when we're speaking yeah. so we really want to suggest that when people engage <clears throat> in conversation that they do it with compassion and kindness regardless of what they're <clears throat> saying uh <clears throat> i share that with you that perhaps people go oh wow yeah <laughs> because you know the, the the first thing they usually want you know a total aside, but I'm going to jump mm -hmm. around. In our book, Chakra Frequencies, uh, which basically talks about using sound, I'm going to let Andy clear her throat. Thank you. I just... she, she's got. <laughs> I anyway. Thank you. I wanted to do that yeah. because oh you know, because getting back to uh, our speaking voice that you know jonathan just said you know like holding that intention when we are you know speaking to anybody to be as much as we can in a state of kindness and compassion and you you know sound sound affects us in so many different ways and when we are listening and the psychoacoustic effect is happening uh that's happening really all the time and with our speaking voice but when we go into the vibroacoustic now i want to kind of jump to that point because oh, i want to talk Gary? about I humming i wasn't done 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 yet <laughs> so in, in chakra frequencies we have some exercise oh, that yeah. you can do okay. when in there uh when you're sort of ticked off, <clears throat> off at each other and it's actually really really <clears throat> powerful and important and indeed we can be using an ohm or a hum or an ah but you make a sound together you have to agree that you're going to make the sound beforehand because oh, what you want to do when you're really ticked off at somebody is scream at them in <laughs> anger yeah. which is the adverse uh aspect of using sound for healing and i gotta tell you kim Andy and I will, you know, go, oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do this. And one of us will say, hey, let's do an ohm together. Yeah. And within a minute, maybe two minutes, we're like, oh, what were we fighting about? <laughs> right. It's, it's honestly oh, I love that. every single time. But the really important key is making that verbal contract ahead of time with your partner, with your children, yes. you know, with, you know, people that you are in close contact with. And you make that contract, that verbal contract, because when you are in that state of uh, anxiety or frustration or anger, you don't really think about, oh, let me ohm through this or let yeah. me come through this. So if you can, one of you can yeah. say, Hey, all right, give me your hands. Okay, we're going to hold hands. And now we're just going to ohm, just ohm together, or we'll hum. We do a lot of humming in this house. And after about a minute, and then we'll keep on going, it shifts the energy and it really brings in a, it, it lowers the anxiety level immensely. That's beautiful. So we share that. Uh, yeah, that. I see the value in establishing that contract in advance because in the moment you're arguing with somebody, <laughs> they're not going to see eye to eye and say, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that. So yeah. that's something that I'm definitely going to try with my daughter because she and I go head to head sometimes. It's like, how did we get to this place? 
And then we're yelling at each other, like, I just want to hug you. <laughs> I know. And well, you know, and I do want to say, Kim, that children respond so beautifully, so readily to working with their voice and working with oming and sounding. I have a really good friend who, uh, well, her children are now grown, but when they were young, I taught them uh, how to, you know, work with tuning forks and how to sound forth with oming and humming. And so what my friend would do in the morning when things were so chaotic and, you know, they're trying to get ready to get out of the house, to get to school. And, you know, we can't remember this, can't remember that. And she would say, everybody stop, hold hands. And we're now going to own together. And we will do that. And then we'll walk out the door. And she said, it just worked like a dream. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to try this. I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I'm um, interested in the benefits of um, vibroacoustics versus psychroacoustics, do they affect the body differently? Or is the same healing potential there? So uh, I will take that one and uh, <laughs> just suggest that um, psychoacoustics and vibroacoustics, the New York Times science section, February 8th, 1988, a while ago, here's the Headline, sound shaped into dazzling tool can make break or rearrange molecular structure. So when you're talking about rearranging molecular structure, for the most part, you're talking about vibroacoustics. And the okay. next part was and levitate objects, which gets into mystical, but they've been doing that with very small objects like ping pong balls and very, very, uh, if you like, high decibel sounds. But the bottom line is that vibroacoustics has not been studied as well as psychoacoustics. Psychoacoustics, oftentimes you'll see, now there's a whole lot of stuff on the effects of music in the brain, for example. And they stick people in MRIs and they're able to play music or whatnot and see what parts of the brain are lighting up. But the few, one of the major uh, things in the future of sound will be that they are gonna be basically able to see that using different sor sorts of uh, vibrational frequencies can affect the physical body and literally rearrange structure, whether you're giving yourself something as simple as a sonic massage to doing something. There are two ways, incidentally, that sound works as a healing modality. The first one is to reinforce the vibrations of an object, such as a heart or a liver or an organ. And the other one is to literally shatter the virus or whatnot. And that's we can call we call that a deconstructive uh, phenomenon, but they both kind of work with the concept of frequency. It's just that if you take the frequency, for example, of a glass, and then you overamp it, the glass will shatter. Mm -hmm. That's the deconstructive, and the constructive is taking the frequency of an organ and not blowing it up. So it's just a matter of balance. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've often wondered um, with my crystal singing bowls. I've recorded music with a with another musician in the past and working on a new album as well. And uh, just I've been curious if the the effects, the healing benefits are still potential when it's listened to from like a speaker versus played live. And with our new album, I'm looking at, we're looking into getting like higher quality recording equipment so that we can really capture some of that vibration 
and mm-hmm. bake it into the speaker. But still, I'm curious, is that going to be considered that's more of a vibrant well, acoustic or yeah. psychoacoustic? Well, you know, actually, sound affects us both ways, and the benefits are great both ways, but it, we, I'm going back to intention, and so when you're creating your recordings, and you're actually uh, recording, the intention that you're holding as you're doing that is very, very powerful. Now, when we're talking about vibroacoustics, now, I wanted to to kind of jump in with our uh, book on the humming effect, because we believe through our experience and through our research that humming is the most powerful vibroacoustic effect that we can do. Sure. And when we are humming, uh, our the frequencies, the vibrations are going throughout our, our bodies mm-hmm. and really affect us deeply. And you get the release of all sorts of different neurochemicals. First of all, you get the lowering of heart rate, respiration, brain waves. They all sink down, which happens also same way with mm-hmm. uh, psychoacoustics. But here you also get the release of oxytocin. You get the release of melatonin. You get the release of nitric oxide, which is a hugely important uh, uh, molecule, if you like, that is wonderful as a um, vasodilator. And... Um, it also is an antiviral agent. You get the, when you're humming, believe it or not, you get uh, increased heart rate variability and you literally work with the vagus nerve. So all this stuff is going on. But I'm going to jump back to where you first asked, you know, the question about doing these sounds uh, in terms of uh, what's the best way to do it. Because that was just a question that came up with our sound satsang last month. Mm-hmm. We dedicated it to... Uh, question and answer and one of them was okay uh for the question ultimately first started out with is acoustic versus electric better and uh, it got um, pretty interesting as a phenomena and you know on a level i think that as andy was saying the intention is very very important and i mean i could tell you stories but you've obviously experienced the fact that you cannot mm-hmm. create a uh a recording that's near as vibrationally effective, whether it's psychoacoustics or vibroacoustics or whatnot, whether your auric field is being affected, you know, with uh, crystal bowls, bowl things for sure happening. You can't create a recording. And the reality is, even if you create the most magnificent, huge sound spectrum recording, and somebody listens back on earbuds as an MP3, it's not going to matter that much because there's going to be a lot of loss of sound. Mm-hmm. And yet people will experience some sort of benefit because mm-hmm. number one, the, you know, sounds, but I mean, you're, 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 you you got your little earbuds in and I'm sure that you probably, you probably have big speakers when you listen to stuff, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, if you listen on, you know, uh, your iPhone or whatnot, probably an mp3 which compress folks compresses the sound if this is the waveform for a cd uh then this is the waveform for an mp3 it compresses it it's about one tenth the amount of information a lot of the sound information is removed it tricks your ear but it doesn't have the same sound energy and yet to suggest that 
these things don't have have necessarily therapeutic effects. We know too many people. It's mm -hmm. like the question of is analog better than digital, and I, is vinyl better than CDs? Mm -hmm. Well, you know it depends. And I, you know I think when we first began with the digital recording back in the nineties. It had some detriments to it, but it's gotten improved. And uh, mm -hmm. as I suggested on the um, sound satsang that we did, the um, we would take a CD and we put it in the middle of a circle with crystals and ask the entities that we were working with to come on there and be present when wow. people were. And it seemed to be very effective. Um um also i want to get to the where you ask the question you know which is is more beneficial you know psychoacoustics or vibroacoustics and we receive benefit from both of those ways that sound affects us now through the many many years that we've been working with sound we personally focus on the use of our own voice because we really feel uh that the power of the voice is just very important. And when people begin to open up to the world of sound, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, they can't really go into sound healing because they can't sing Real or they don't have judgmental. a good voice. And we have really through the years, tried to impart that you don't have to be a singer to work with sound you don't have to be a musician that you uh, can use your own voice as your instrument and of course we we wrote our book the humming effect for this very reason that we wanted to be more inclusive we wanted more and more people to know about the power of sound the in incredible healing power that we are all walking around with and don't know it our own voice yeah that's so powerful and beautiful and I'm so glad that you have written this book and I look forward to hearing more about it I remember a few years back when I was first kind of coming out of the closet with my sound tools because I was very shy about them at first felt like this is really nerdy thing for some reason <laughs> like people are gonna find me crazy but when I first started um coming out with it and and feeling like really called to share them with others I remember I didn't have them when I was going back to be with a group of friends that um, I knew before I'd really been impacted by sound and I was feeling very torn by that but that that's kind of the same message that came through was that you don't need the tools. You have you are the instrument. The tools are tools. Right. <laughs> and it's so really our frequency that's coming through when we play the tools. Right. And the voice is probably the best tool to encode frequency. We love bowls, but you got to go through yourself into the bowl, which is great. And also on a level hard to put a crystal bowl in your back pocket oh yeah <laughs> and you know take Especially it somewhere in the woods if you're out uh, traveling in yeah 
or walking in the woods. And, yeah. and that's the other real benefit of beginning to understand that we can affect through our own voice, our, our, our energy field, you know, when we are filled with anxiety or frustration, or, you know, we want to put ourselves back into balance. And, you know, maybe we are working on a pretty intense issue and we can't get to our therapist or, you know, whatever the situation is. And if we just stop, take some nice deep breaths and begin to even just hum. Mm. And of course we call it conscious humming. What's going to happen is that we are going to shift out of that anxiety. We're going to be able to bring ourselves back into balance through the simple use of our own voice. So we become our own therapist, basically. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I did watch a, one of the podcasts you did, and um, I loved how you gave the analogy of uh, that. What is the sound that we make when we're not sure of an answer to a question? And we mm. say, hmm, <laughs> and, and sometimes that that's just the, the space that we need or the vibration maybe what is what it is that is delivering that answer to us. And Kim, you can also, when you hum, and when we do hum, conscious humming, which is composed of simply taking some deep breaths, humming on a single tone, and uh, projecting your intention on what the purpose of the hum is. And we found the hum to be such an all-purpose sound that everybody can make. It's not that we don't work with all sorts of other sounds we, or we bowls have all, or whatnot. We have all the tools, all the... <laughs> but th that's one we can take with us all the time and use all the time. And people are not judgmental when they make the hum. Hmm. Hmm. Right. We've never <laughs> heard anyone say, I am just not a good hummer. So I <laughs> everybody can hum and of course you know we we do add the caveat of conscious humming and the importance of taking that diaphragmatic breath you know before huge, huge. you hum and and then as you breathe your body begins to relax and then you let that hum come on that out breath and then that begins to shift and change your uh, vibratory field basically wow is there um a certain sound or tone or hum that is more powerful than others that you found? Go ahead. <laughs> okay, people are always looking for their sound, their tone, their frequency. Okay. And I think, we think that the hum is a great way to do that. We, you know, our book, The Humming Effect, is all sorts of stuff, but here's the other thing that we talked about, we've neglected to say in terms of conscious humming, is that you want to hum in a comfortable voice. And that's usually right around the, if you like, frequency of the conversational voice. That's usually very much in resonance with you, which brings me to one of the four pillars that we didn't discuss. We want to briefly talk about it which is a concept that we are all unique vibratory beings. And therefore I've read and I've done all this stuff and people say, oh, you know, yeah. 120 cycles per second is the uh, ideal sound to hum at. Well, actually, I, I know the scientific paper that that came from and they were basically working with 
a particular bandwidth, and they use that as, as, as 120 or 125, but it can be 150, 180, or 200. If you're a woman, you're going to be in the next octave than me. So if we mm -hmm. do the same tone, it's going to be an octave apart. Mm -hmm. So not to get locked into specific frequencies, but rather what feels good for you, because if it feels good mm -hmm. for you, then you're going to be able to feel it, and then it's real. Mm -hmm. Getting into real quick, uh, we're all unique vibratory beings, is the fact that we always ask in a workshop, how many of you are allergic to penicillin? About 20% of the people raise their hands. Okay. If we perceive that everything in the universe is in a state of vibration, this includes penicillin. It's probably a frequency or a series of frequencies. And for 80% of you, it's going to be a healing frequency. But for 20% of you, it's going to be toxic. And that's an incredible metaphor for almost everything that we've encountered. There is no one size fits all. And we need to honor that and empower ourselves with that. But there wouldn't be any toxic humming vibrations, I wouldn't imagine. Well, I, I would not. Or imagine. I, I imagine if you try to go, if you try to go, <laughs> for you, that would probably not okay. be a very positive experience. I see. Okay. But, but, but by and large, Kim, you know, I, we've never come across any real toxic humming. Sure. Uh, <laughs> no, because it, once again, in your, you know, field of comfort. Yeah, got it. And, and also, you know, it's that intention, you know, I know we keep going back to that, oh. but when we have the intention of, uh, you know, bringing balance into our lives, when we have the intention of, you know, shifting out the anxiety or the, you know, the frustration and so forth, we have an intention that is of a high level. And so then we sound forth, then we hum or we tone or whatever we choose to do with the sound. And that is what really makes the difference. And you just said something that I have to comment on now. When Andy said a high level, she wasn't talking about a frequency level. People go, oh, I'm feeling low, I'm feeling high. Mm -hmm. Low sounds and high sounds are not interrelated with emotional experiences or even spiritual experiences so people go oh do i need to make a high sound in order to have a high vibration apples and oranges that makes sense yes yes and very important for people to understand because there's a lot of confusion about that mm -hmm. it's not a tone we're not talking about a specific tone or an octave or a frequency, right yeah. exactly yeah um i have one, i have another question um when i had created music in the past with this uh, with the previous musician we would always set an intention for our songs and the intentions were usually very very big <laughs> much bigger than my own <laughs> field um can you talk a little bit about that in our power to hold an intention to affect the whole planet I know you have done some work on this and you have a library um so tell me tell us a little bit about that I don't know where to begin. <laughs> that one. Well, I would begin with uh, believing that the intention that you're setting is going to actually work, number one, and have belief in what you're doing. But, you know, we every year have what we call World Sound Healing Day, where we set the intention of having people throughout the planet 
sound forth with the intention of sending healing, loving energy to Mother Earth and to our planet. And we have people all over the world who do that on a particular day. We do it every year on February 14th. And this is our 22nd year coming up. Wow. And so there is a huge intention in that. And we feel strongly and we have had some evidence that there has been an effect that has occurred the idea that our sound can interface with the consciousness of the planet mm -hmm. so kudos to you congratulations to you for doing that type of thing and and it's real uh and one of the things we probably would like to suggest is that one great technique that we oftentimes will use before we work with sound we do an invocation to the angel of sound that works for us because that's a very powerful we ask for the sound of light surround us, the light of sun guide us, sacred sun come through us for the harmony of all, which is wonderful. But also there is, you've probably heard of heart math, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not, and the fact that you can have heart-brain coherence. Mm -hmm. So this happens doing deep breathing and simply adding, if you like, the element of appreciation, gratitude. Mm -hmm. It really seems to amplify our electromagnetic field anywhere from 50 to 500 to some people even perceive 5,000 times greater. And then you add the element of sound, and that makes it even greater. Uh, it basically takes this uh, field that we're creating. This is why the different prayers on our planet are, for the most part, vocalized. Whispered, mm -hmm. chanted, spoken, or sung is because sound amplifies the power of prayer, amplifies the power of meditation on a level. So mm -hmm. with this understanding, you know, trying to be in a state of gratitude, compassion, appreciation, mm. while you're doing this, giving mm. thanks. There you are making beautiful music, beautiful sound. You're mm. doing this. Wow. And, and, and Kim, I'm really curious as to what effect you felt when you and your, you know, music partner did the intention. Did you feel that there was some, you know, something happening? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. so when we would play, it was always uh, improv. We would set the intention for the song and then just start playing and ask for that higher guidance and wisdom to play through us. And that would happen every time. And it was so beautiful. And when we would finish, it was like, wow, <laughs> it's like, we didn't play that. Like that just came yeah. through us. And, and I had to trust, I have to trust that that intention was being carried out because Absolutely. it was it was through me it wasn't really and I and I watch I listen to some of the music that we've created and I'm blown away it's just so beautiful well and that's when yeah. we step aside and let the music and let the sound come through us without controlling it in any way and then you do know hey it is coming from a definitely a higher realm mm-hmm it's so beautiful. And even and when I do sound baths, I really set the, set an intention for that to come through. And then I, you know, there's some, there's sometimes wisdom or guidance that comes through and I'm like, well, that's, that's good to know. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I have to trust that, it, you know, if it's coming through me, that also is something is working on a much higher level than I can understand. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something about when when that happens when you just 
have the ego step aside. You have, you know, you just say, you know, my intention is to play through me, not from me, Mm -hmm. basically. And, and it's always, um, in my own experience, it's, it's always just the best feeling (laughs) because, you know, I don't know where that came from, but thank you, angels. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's powerful. Yeah. But it, in intention, it, once again, we keep going back to that because it really is such a huge, huge part yeah. of working with sound. So coming back kind of full circle, talking about intention, oftentimes people aren't really familiar with that word when I say choose an intention. And I think back to when I first started practicing yoga and the yoga teacher would say, choose an intention for your practice today. And it didn't really resonate with me at that time. Now, of course, I choose an intention for everything. But Mm -hmm. how do you, as a pioneer in this field, how do you uh, define that word or explain it to people that aren't familiar? Wow. Define intention. Um, the word purpose came in. What is the purpose or the desired outcome mm-hmm. for a particular sound or activity or act that you do? And I think on a level that uh, I was thinking be- before you asked, I was going to say that I wanted to talk to you about what I think may be the most important purpose. <laughs> really perfect and it was about compassion that i think if there was one particular thing that we could encode upon our conduct in life it'd be to lead a compassionate life andy Mm. well and i think too kim when you you know use the word intention and maybe someone doesn't quite uh resonate with what do you mean by that what is intention you know i think too it's you know the thoughts that we're holding uh when we are making sound you know if we are doing yoga whatever but it's like you know choose an intention you could easily say choose a way that you want to feel right now uh that would be definitely uh a a different way of saying it and holding the thoughts that you want to feel got to know it okay intention but also not the same but you can at the same time uh uh vibrate the same thing would be visualization. You know, for some people, they're good at visualizing things. Other people are good at feeling things. So, you know, another one was uh, sound plus feeling equals uh, outcome or whatnot. But just the idea that um, when we have people hum, what are you humming for? What is your purpose? What is your intention? Uh, Or, Or what do you want to have happen? Sure. At, you know, after you've honed or after you've done your sound, what is it you want to have actually manifest? And then putting those thoughts into that. I think it depends upon the person, their ability, because maybe intention is indeed difficult, but maybe, hey, maybe, you know, or where would you like the sound to resonate? Let's say you have have an imbalance on your body. 
and you're doing a hum or you're receiving a bowl and you can have okay rather than you know your intention is it's going to um, heal x y or z just you know visualize or feel uh the sound you know focus your your intention and attention on the sound resonating a particular part of your body that's out of balance mm-hmm. and and you know and i know that i would we're running <laughs> close to the end of the show. And I just wanted to let people know that on our website, healingsounds.com, we have so much information and educational material. And of course, free downloads. So you can work practice with your own sounds. We have one that's called the seven minute chakra tune up and you tone a particular vowel sound for each chakra i mean we have a you know variety of course we have our store and we have our books and our tuning forks and so forth and you know people that have listened today and really want to learn more about sound you know please visit healingsounds.com oh totally it's a it's and a sounds is plural right <laughs> healing sounds healing sounds it's a wonderful award-winning website i wanted to just add something that our dear friend mentor and angelic being now named sarah benson said to us she said the true sound of healing is love and we have embraced those words and really integrated them into our sound work and the, these are words from Sarah Benson, who was our dear beloved mm-hmm. friend and mentor as well. And she has passed away. But just as a thing to acknowledge from our belief system, love can be encoded on any sound. It is not a specific frequency. If you need to believe that this particular frequency is the frequency of love, that's wonderful. With that's what you need to do, but we just want to suggest that we all be fluid and expansive and understand that the universe is love and the universe is sound. Therefore, how can it be a frequency? Yeah, how can it be separate? Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's what you encode, yeah. So, with that all being said, knowing that the name of the show is Frequency Matters, what does that mean to you? got it okay so people say to me and people have said to me because i have frequency Mm -hmm. plus intent well you know what's the relationship and i'm going to say it's an equal balance there's an aspect of frequency that basically causes a vibe a physical plane vibratory shift on a level sound is the most subtle of what are called the subtle energies but it's causing a vibrational level therefore if you can encode that with the intentionality, then you are golden. And I'd like to you know, suggest for anybody who thinks it's all intention, until you can levitate and walk through walls. And if you're one of those beings, then it's probably all intention. Otherwise, yeah. the sound is gonna be something. So, you know, and therefore we have to work with the seven uh, secrets and the four pillars of sound healing. Well, and Kim, I do love that the name of your show is called Frequency matters because the energy the thoughts of 
compassion, love, uh, positive vibrations are all held in frequencies. And it matters what intentions, it matters what thoughts you have. It matters how you go about your day and knowing that, wait a minute, you know, I am interfacing with a lot of different people and I want my frequency to be of a high vibration. And so holding the, the frequencies of love, it mm -hmm. truly matters. Yes. Every thought, every belief, it definitely operates on a frequency. So when you put it in that lens, frequency matters mm -hmm. in many ways. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I feel so blessed to have spent this last hour with you both. I feel like the compassion and love that you have both exuded through the screen is, is uh, immeasurable. And I am so grateful for your wisdom and your time. And like I said, the compassion and love. And I want to thank you both so much for, for spending time with me today and sharing all the wisdom that you have with our listeners and myself. One last thing. Yes. We heal the planet. We heal ourselves. We heal ourselves. And we heal the planet. So there is this beautiful feedback loop. And, and we will leave you, Kim, and our listeners with that beautiful uh, image of healing ourselves and the planet. And thank you so much for having us today. It has really been a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. And I wonder if there's a, a way that we can ohm together or make a, a hum together for the last minute or so, or a few breaths, if it would come through. I'm not sure if it will, but that would be such an honor. Would you join me? Well, it will. I mean, I got I, it, okay, so we just put original sound from musicians on, if you have it. That'll help because when you make one tone, okay. it uh, literally it cuts it off. Usually. It cuts it off. So we'll do this and... We'll see hey, if it will okay, work. Okay, so here we okay. go. If you're listening, please feel free to join us. Breathing Close. the light. Close our eyes and take a nice deep breath. just say we hope that came through the zoom waves i think it did <laughs> thank you so this. much Kim. <laughs> and thank you so much best wishes many blessings and all the love to you, thank you. and to the planet thank you namaste namaste this concludes today's episode of the frequency matters 
podcast. You can learn more about Jonathan and Andy Goldman on their website, healingsounds.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Frequency Matters podcast, released on the 15th and 30th of each month. On our next episode, I'll have the opportunity to talk with David Weschler, a researcher, inventor, and author in the world of electroculture for over 12 years. Frequency, frequency, frequency matters. matters. Frequency, frequency, frequency. frequency.